Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Uh, have you all watched the weather forecast for this week? To seen what crazy weather we're supposed to have. It's been so beautiful the last three days. I don't know about you, but I was in my yard in short shirt sleeves having a great time. And then Kathy Foster summed it up for me on Facebook. It says, Mother Nature says you, can have, you can't have all four seasons in one week. <laughs> South Carolina says, hold my sweet tea and watch this. <laughs> and I believe that's the kind of week that we're in for this week. A lot of rain, cooler temperatures, but we're still in the celebrating season, celebrating Jesus Christ and his birth. Let's stand together today as we sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.
Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. We'll be reading out of Micah 5, verses 2 and 3 first. Be you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are among the small clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. Then we'll be reading out of Matthew 1, 1 and 1, 22 and 23. This is the genealogy of Jesus, Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 22 and 23. All of this took place to feel the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. promised king. As we go into this week, I want you to realize that this week is a very significant week in the history of our nation. On December the 7th, we will recognize that 80 years ago this year, our country was devastatingly attacked by the Japanese Empire at the uh, American naval base at Pearl Harbor. On December 7th, 1941. Most people don't realize that that was just the first step that was taken in the plan that the Japanese Empire had to sweep across the Pacific. And on December the 8th, they would attack the Filipino islands or the islands there in the Philippines. But one of the most recognized generals that have ever served our country was there in the Philippines, and his name was Douglas MacArthur. Douglas MacArthur is a very interesting individual, and to tell you the truth, that he's interested in many ways, but he's very significant in that he is one of the only, he is a part of one of the only father and son, there's only two fathers and sons that have received Medal of Honors in our country's history. And Douglas MacArthur and also his son received a Medal of of honor. In March of 1942, General MacArthur was ordered by President Franklin Roosevelt to leave the Philippines. 
After trying to fight off, of course, the Japanese army, he was told to leave. And one of the most revered, as one of the most revered soldiers of the day, he, uh, he, his heart was heavy, but he obeyed the instructions of his commander-in-chief. After a dangerous journey, MacArthur arrived in Australia, where he made a vow to the Filipino people. This is what MacArthur said. I came through, and I shall return. It was a promise that would drive him over the next two and a half years, and one that he very much intended to keep. On Friday, October the 20th, 1944, MacArthur invaded to liberate the Philippines And although his troops had declared the initial barriers of the Japanese resistance, it was still an active battlefield when MacArthur and his staff waded ashore. Undeterred by the dangers, he pressed on until he once again stood on the Philippine soil. Once settled ashore, MacArthur delivered a prepared speech and announced the words that so many have been dreaming to hear. To those reduced to a soul-crushing existence under a brutal Japanese occupation, MacArthur proclaimed, People of the Philippines, I have returned. By the grace of Almighty God, our forces stand again on the Philippines' soul. Soul consecrated in the blood of our two peoples. MacArthur was a man of his word. MacArthur was a man that had made a promise, and he had kept his promise. And in that year, in 1944, he fulfilled that commitment. As we look at the Word of God today, and as you heard the reading of God's Word, I want you to realize this morning, as we look at God's Word in Matthew chapter number 1, I want you to realize that we are seeing a promise that was being fulfilled. We are literally reading of a promised king, the birth of a promised king. Although this birth looked very meager and it looked like the birth of someone who was extremely poor, I want you to realize that it was the king of the universe. And as we go back through our, the history of our world, I want you to see as we walk through Scripture, we're going to walk through several passages this morning, and what I want you to see is, is this was a continual promise, and they were continually moving towards this event that would change history. And by the way, all of history hinges on this event. God created the earth and He had a wonderful relationship with mankind, but mankind was disobedient and it resulted in what we see in Genesis chapter 3 as being the fall. But before God even announced the curse that would take place because of the fall, because of man's actions, in Genesis 3.15 He said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and you will he, he will crush your head. And you will strike his heel. He was speaking to the serpent, to Satan. And before he ever turned and spoke to mankind and told him the repercussions of the decisions that they had made, he looked at Satan and he promised that someone would be coming. There was someone that would come that would crush his head. 
As you look through Scripture and as you look at, at Matthew chapter 1 there, I want to bring to your attention as it begins, it's a genealogy. As you read your Bible, I'm sure many of you have come through or come across many genealogies. And it seems like, especially throughout the Old Testament, you see genealogy after genealogy. And many times, I'll be honest, I can be honest and I can say, I kind of want to skip over those. I kind of want to glance over them and just keep on moving. I can't pronounce some of the names and all of those things. But what I want you to realize this morning is those were very significant to him, them. That was very important. And as we look through the Old Testament, I want you to realize that all of that led up to this. And as you read Genesis or Matthew 1 verse 1, it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. I want you to realize that the Messiah is the anointed one. And as you go through the Old Testament, there had been this promise over and over again of the Messiah that was to come. The one that was the anointed one of God would be coming into this world. And it says here, this is the genealogy of Jesus. I want you to realize that that is the New Testament word for Yeshua. The New Testament word for Joshua. Joshua is the word that's used in the Old Testament. And it literally means Savior or to save or He's our deliverer. And just as Joshua delivered the people of Israel, Jesus is coming to deliver and to save us. And that is why in Matthew 1.1, he told him, call his name Jesus. And as you look here, it says, Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. As you begin to read through this genealogy, the genealogy begins with Abraham. This is very significant. If you look back in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through C, you, or 3, you see what many consider to be the call of Abraham. But at this time, his name was Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of earth will be blessed through you. He made a covenant with Abram. And he told Abram, all the people of the earth will be blessed through the only issue is, as we look in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, is Abraham or Abram had an issue. The truth is that he could not have or he had not had children. And what I want you to see in the Old Testament is that there's this repeated concept of seed and this repeated concept of there being a lineage, as I said. And the truth is, is that when we see in the Old Testament where it was difficult for someone to have a child when someone was barren, that's a very good clue to perk up your eyes and ears and realize that something's going on here. And I want you to realize today that this promised king that was birthed was not the only significant birth that has taken place in history. And what I want you to realize today is that it's not the only miraculous birth that's taken place in history. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, in the covenant that the Lord made with Abram, He says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. You, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? 
And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. It's very interesting that he tells Abraham to look up into the sky and count the stars. And when you read the story of Christ's birth, there's a star there. But it was different than any other star. And you can read and you can study that out and look at that. And I encourage you to do that. But it's very interesting the ties that we see back to this passage of Scripture. And he says, he took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And the Bible says this of Abram. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. As we read here and we look at this genealogy that is shared in Matthew chapter 1, we see the fulfillment of this covenant. We see the fulfillment of this promise. But as you go through and you look at verse number one, what I want to see, what we want to see here is that this was not the only promise that was made. And this was not the only individual that we see in the lineage of Christ that is very significant. As you read through, you will see the, in verse number three, Judah is in the lineage of Christ. So you have Abraham, and you have Isaac, and you have Jacob, and then you see Judah. Judah is very significant. In Genesis chapter number 49, you see where Jacob is coming to the end of his life, and he brings his children, he brings his sons into him, and he speaks to each of them. And this is what he has to say to Judah. And this is what Dr. McKenzie said about this passage of Scripture. He referred to it as, the, as a Lion King passage. And I thought that was very interesting. As you read this here in verses 8 through 10 in Genesis chapter 49, it says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub. There's the lion analogy. Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, he dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Until he to whom it belongs shall come. And the obedience of the nations shall be His. Let me ask you this. Who is the one that is the Lion of Judah that holds the scepter? And may I tell you, it is Jesus. The promised King. In verse number 1, and as you go through chapter number 1 of Matthew, you will see another significant individual and you will see David. David, of course, most of us know who David was. David was the king of Israel. 
This is the covenant that was given to David in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 16. It says, when your days are over, and this is Nathan, the prophet, that has come to David to tell him this. He says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to, to secede you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will, ne- will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul when I removed him from before you. Your house, this is, very, this, this is the promise. He says, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. This morning as we look at the promised king, I want you to realize that Jesus is the one who is on the throne. That Jesus is the one that is the Davidic king who came from the lineage of David. As you look through chapter 1 of of the book of Matthew as we get down to verse number 18 after you look at the genealogy there that the book shares to prove that Jesus is that line of Judah to prove that Jesus is that king the Messiah the anointed one that was coming and then it shares the story in verse number 18 it says this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her from the Holy Spirit, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. He very explicitly says who Jesus is. And he very explicitly says here in this passage of Scripture that he will save their people from their sins. In verse number 22, it says this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. As you look in Isaiah 7, 14, you realize that this is where that verse came from. This is the prophet. Isaiah is the prophet that was spoken of here In this story of Jesus' birth. In Isaiah 7 verse 14 it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And will call his name Emmanuel. When you look in chapter number 2 it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king 
of the Jews. They acknowledged that he was going to be the king of the Jews. And as you go through the gospel records, as you go through towards the end of the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, you see where Jesus was hung on a cross. And over top of him, there was a subscript that said, King of the Jews. Without even knowing what they were saying, they were acknowledging that our king was the one that was dying on that cross to save his people from their sins. As you see here, as you go further, it's very interesting that he acknowledges that he was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And in verse number 6 it says, but you, he, he mentions how that it had been written by the prophet. And of course we saw this morning that this is Micah, and it's referring to Micah 5.2, and how the prophecy was that he would be born in Bethlehem. And here in verse number 6 it says, but you Bethlehem and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. The truth is, is that the one that was born on that day and the one that we celebrate during this time of the year is the promised King. But what does that mean to us? How does that change our lives? Does it have significance to us because we are not of Jewish lineage? Does this also save us from our sins? I'm here to tell you that it does. I'm here to tell you that our God, just as Douglas MacArthur kept his promise, and he, when he stepped foot back there in the Philippines, and he was there to bring those people deliverance, he saved them. He delivered them from the bondage and tyranny of the Japanese Empire. And growing up and spending time in Australia with there being a large group of Filipinos that had migrated there, what I want to tell you is this, they still love America. And they still have an appreciation for Douglas MacArthur. It's been passed down through the generations. And what I want you to realize this morning is our God is so much better than Douglas MacArthur. And what I want you to realize this morning is that our God is a God that keeps His promises. And as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, I want you to realize that that is a promise in which God has fulfilled. And He did all that He did in the way that He did it to fulfill those promises. And what I want you to realize is that He is Emmanuel. I want you to see that Jesus was God in the flesh. And I want you to connect in your mind that your God, the God that you serve, loved you so much that He took upon flesh and He came and He dwelt upon, man, dwelt upon earth with mankind. And He got tired just like you got tired. And He got hungry just like you got hungry. And what I want to tell you is, is that He did that to where He could have an eternal relationship with you. To where He could establish an eternal kingdom. And to where He could be your king and my king. And the question is this morning, what I want you to, to answer in your own mind this morning is, does He sit in the throne? room of your heart and is he sitting on the throne of your heart and is he sitting on the throne of my heart because he wants to the other thing that I want you to see this morning is that our God is with us 
Just as I said, God, our God is a God that keeps His promises. And we can look in His Word, and that's what His Word is, His promises. And we can look in His Word and see that He fulfilled the Old Testament covenant. And we can look at His Word and say, wow, God kept that promise, and He kept that promise, and He kept that promise. And what I want you to realize is that there were promises that were made to us. He told us that He would never leave us nor forsake us. And I want you to realize that your God is Emmanuel. In John 14, when Jesus spoke of how that he must leave, he told him, he said, it's actually much better for you that I leave. He said, because I'm going to send you an advocate. And we need to realize that we have an advocate. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit of God lives within us as Christians. And as we go through this life, this is the major message that I want to leave with you this morning. As we go through this life, there are hard decisions. As we go through this life, our King, if He sits on the throne of your heart, will decree things that you and I must do to be in obedience to Him, and they're not always easy. There are things that God will allow you to go through that are hard things. There are things that you will not understand. But your God is in control of them. And your King has decreed it. And as you make those decisions, and as you go through those times, and as you weather those storms, you have Emmanuel. And He's made His promise. And His promise is that He will remain with you. This morning, I hope that you can experience that. I hope that you can acknowledge that. And as we go through this Christmas season, I hope that you see that that's what this is about. It's about a God who kept His promise and came and died. Not for the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you. He died for you. And He bought you with His blood. And whatever He tells you, or whatever He tells me to do, we must do it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your Word. I'm grateful, Lord, for the truths that we find in it. And Lord, we serve a wondrous God that keeps His promise. And Lord, You have made some amazing, comforting promises to us. And Lord, I pray that we would take hold of those promises and let us let that guide us through life. And may we realize that You're the King of our hearts. And Lord, You purchased us with Your blood. And Lord, may we be willing to do whatever it is that You would have us to do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. Sure.
musicians in just a moment to play that that stanza one more time and if you're a guest with us today we're going to give you this moment uh, to exit uh, if you would like to we're having a a family meeting here for a few moments so if you're a guest today and you would like to depart please do that Uh, everyone else can just be seated and at the conclusion of this verse I will have brother Bud to come and share with us today